0: We are in our series. I have one. Our, do you have your button on? I hope you. I hope you're wearing your button, and that uh, God is using us, using you in uh, your circle of relationships, both at work or in the community. But uh, yeah, we are uh, going through an emphasis on uh, prayer and evangelism and last week was our first message and we looked at colossians chapter 4 in colossians chapter 4 uh paul encourages us that uh we need to be devoted to christ if we're going to share christ it starts with pe- prayer uh, there needs to be a a passion in pursuing him and as we're passionate about him uh paul tells us that then there's some things that we need to be praying for. And uh we looked at that last week in aligning ourselves with God's purpose for our life. It's through a relationship with him, but uh but asking God to to use us to open doors that we might uh, share the gospel. And God opens doors. If you're praying, if you're, there's someone in your life that you're concerned about and God, and you're asking, God, give me an open door, He'll open that door. And, uh, and that's what Paul encouraged the church at Colossae to do in Paul's ministry is ask God for, uh, open doors in His ministry. But not only open doors, but, uh, also that He might speak, um the words that uh, are are um, are appropriate, that are full of grace and salt, that his walk with the Lord would be appropriate, wouldn't be an obstacle to those who um, he's trying to reach for Jesus Christ. And so that's a good evaluation for us as, as believers. You know, how am I presenting myself um, to those around me who might know Christ, not, might not know Christ, am I an obstacle, or am I s- someone who uh, lost people are attracted to? and you know lost people loved Jesus, they liked him, they followed him around, and not only did they like him, but Jesus liked them back. And so we're looking at uh, um, this idea of, of prayer and evangelism and God using us to uh, share seeds of the gospel in gospel conversations. And this morning we're going to look at um, the most important command... Uh, the command that matters most, and it's in John chapter 13. John chapter 13, uh, we're going to look at two verses, 34 and 35. Now, if you know this, I hope you know this, but our mission statement here at Emmanuel is to help help all people love and follow Jesus. I'm not sure if we need to change our mission statement after this message this morning. I I think it needs to read that we need to be loving all people to love and follow Jesus. Um, And so let's look at verses 34 and 35 of John chapter 13. Bible says this, A new commandment I give to you, That you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says a new command. A new command. And this is to be the most important command. Of all the other commandments of the Bible, this new commandment is what matters most. That you love others, Jesus says, as I have loved you. Now, this idea of loving others is mentioned uh, nine times in, in the New Testament. Uh, in a couple places, in James chapter 2, verse 8, I believe it's in your outline this morning, James says this, he says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Galatians 5.14 says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, that command sounds familiar, because that command is found in the Old Testament. But Jesus is giving us kind of a twist on this command, when he says, A new command. He's saying this, that you are to live out my love to one another. As I have loved you, that's how you are to love one another. Now, contained in that phrase are two things. Jesus is showing us a pattern of how we are to love others and that pattern is found in John chapter 13 because uh as we read John chapter 13 uh this is um, this is a passover supper and the disciples are with Jesus in the upper room and as we look at John chapter 13 the beginning of that chapter um <clears throat> Jesus has taken the opportunity to wash the disciples' feet. And so, as we look at this chapter and the pattern or the example of how we are to love one another, Jesus is telling us, um, we'll look at verse 14. He says, If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet so this there's two parts to this serving others loving others and the first part of, is this when it comes to loving others there there is no rank or privilege that uh, dismisses a person from serving others Think about this for a minute. The God of the universe, the creators of the heavens and the earth, Jesus Christ left heaven's glory, and he stooped and washed the disciples' dirty feet. And after he had done that, Jesus told the disciples, if then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus loved his disciples. He served them by by washing their stinky, smelly feet it should have been the disciples who were washing jesus's feet but they never thought of it <laughs> jesus is the lord of the universe it never occurred to them that maybe his feet for should be washed but but this was was this was something that took place as you entered someone's house and it was jesus that took a towel and washed his disciples' feet and they were smelly and grimy. I mean, everywhere people walked, they wore sandals. And they didn't walk on asphalt. They didn't walk on golden streets. No, they walked on dirt. All day long. Can you imagine what these feet looked like? What they smelled like? And yet Jesus got down with a basin of water And a towel. And he washed every one of their feet. So Jesus was giving an example. That's the first part of serving. And then the second part is this. He did it through practical, helpful means. I mean, imagine, I'm sure the disciples had to really appreciate What Jesus, they were probably embarrassed, okay? Jesus, I should be washing your feet. You know, that's what Peter told, told Jesus. But I'm sure that after Jesus got done washing their feet, it had to have felt really good. Jesus is telling His disciples in John chapter 13 that you need to love others. A new command I'm giving you that you love others just as I have loved you and there is nobody around you that you're better than Jesus outranks everyone and yet he stooped and served everyone. And he did it through something that was very practical. And he was humble. There was no sense of entitlement on his part whatsoever. I mean, he was all about others. Love one another's, another as I have loved you. And it's not just about people who are easy to love. You know, Jesus is talking to his disciples here, you know, the, the, the apostles of the New Testament church to come. But it's not just about loving one another uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who it is easier to love because they talk like you, they think like you, they smell like you. Yeah, we're to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, but Jesus also tells us that we are to love our enemy as well because that's what Jesus did. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Um, starting with verse forty-three. Okay, you have forty. You have uh, verse forty-one up there, but uh, go to verse forty-three. Next slide it says this. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Church, we are to love our enemies. People that we have a hard... Is there somebody in your life right now that you have a hard time loving? If I were to mention their name, you know, the... The hairs on the back of your neck. You get goose pimples on your arm. You're thinking there's a pastor you want me to love them. No, I'm not wanting you to love you, them. Jesus is wanting you to love them. Jesus says, even your enemy, a new command I'm giving you. Love others as I have loved you. And then verse 41, he says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, or, or, uh, I'm sorry, verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Yeah, that's a practical way of loving your enemy. You know, it was expected in New Testament if a, a Roman soldier came across a, a, a Jew, that um, the Roman soldier could command that Jew to carry his heavy backpack. And he was required to go a mile. And he couldn't say a word. I mean, that was just expected to him, of him. Yet in verse 41 of Matthew chapter 5, says, If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. That's part of loving your enemy, Jesus says. Why does Jesus want us to go the second mile? Because that's where conversation begins to occur. You know, the Roman soldier isn't going to ask the Jew during the first mile, "Why are you carrying your back my backpack?" This is expected of him, but. If they come to the end of that mile and the Roman soldier stops, but the, the Jewish person says, I'm not done yet. Let's keep going. And going that second mile, that Roman soldier is going to begin to think to himself, what's up with this guy? And they're going to begin asking questions. Why are you doing this? And that's where they can give, begin to talk about the difference Christ makes in one's life. Well, Jesus told me to do this and Jesus wants me to love you and I care about you and so I'm going, I want to serve you. How can I help you? We are to love our enemies. Um, there's a person here this morning, uh, Carol Bowles. I, I don't know exactly what Carol's going to share with us this morning. I, get, I gave her my uh, for my message in advance. But uh, Carol, how, how many times have you been to China? Uh, Twenty. Would be a good Twenty. Twenty times she's been to China. I'm sure she's been asked that question before. Why are you here? Or why do you keep coming back? But, uh, but, but she loves the Lord. And, uh, she's here to share with you how God has used her to have those co- gospel conversations with others. Please welcome Carol Bowles. Oh, I turned it off. Okay.
1: well after i accepted christ he gave me a desire to share the gospel god called me and he equipped me to the country that he has me minister to and i travel halfway around the world so that i can see and share my faith with people that i've come to just love I work with a mission group, and we help children learn conversational English, and this opens up a door for us to get into the schools and speak with the teachers. It's through God's power, his love in us, that we're able to do what we do. It's his words, his, his joy, his love. God gives us everything. There's no greater joy to me than being on a mission trip. To be able to share with a teacher and know that when they accept Christ that they're now going to be my brother and sister and that they'll be in eternity with me. We're always asked by the people we minister to, why have we come to help them? They can't understand why we would travel all the way that we do across the world, spend our own money and be there to teach their children English and we tell them that God loves them and we love them they also look at us and say you know there's something different about you there's just a joy and at first when I heard that I was I was pleasantly surprised but you know it's a continuing thing every trip and I realized they see God in us What a praise. What a praise that they see God in us, and that's the joy that they're seeing. But also sharing my faith in a country where the gospel is closed makes me aware of the power of prayer. On one trip, we were introduced to a lady named Sherry who owned a private English school. Sherry had 34 teachers who worked with her, and we shared Christ with Sherry, and Sherry... Accepted Christ and she had a heart for the lost she shared that her dream was that all 34 of her teachers would be saved and come to know the Lord so Sherry invited us to witness to all 34 of her teachers one afternoon in an upstairs conference room our leaders stood at the blackboard in the front of the class and talked talked to the teachers, explaining from the very beginning how the, the gospel message. When we were just about 10 minutes into the message, Sherry ran out of the room. We didn't know what was going on, but we continued. Four teachers accepted Christ. Three teachers were very interested But the seeds were planted on all 34 teachers' hearts. Sherry, we learned later, had authorities downstairs at the very minute that we were upstairs sharing the gospel. Authorities downstairs, government authorities, questioning her as to what had went on. You know, it was just a praise for us that God had answered so many prayers that day. He had opened doors for us to share the gospel with 34 teachers. He protected our group and he had protected Sherry. He allowed us to plant many seeds and he saved the four teachers. And I just want to leave you with this image. On one of my trips, a sweet, precious teacher had tears running down her face. I began to share the gospel and she knew something about it and she just, she just cried and told me, Carol, I want to accept Christ, but I can't. I can't. I've done too many bad things. Was that a divine appointment? I was able to look at her and say, you don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all. All you have to do is come to him as you are. And you know what? She's no longer a slave to fear. She's a child of God. Amen. Amen. Thank yeah.